0: This past week, I attended a meeting of the board of Yale Divinity School that happened to coincide with the final week of classes. Board members had several opportunities to meet with students, especially graduating seniors, who would be receiving diplomas in just a couple of weeks. I really enjoyed these conversations this year learning about uh, what's coming next for them or not. Maybe it's a life stage thing, but this year a lot of memories came flooding back to mind of my own transition from graduate to real life. And honestly, chief among those memories was the flood of anxiety I had about what came next, about what it might mean to actually embark on a journey into ordained ministry. No question I felt called to it at the time, but I really didn't have much of a clue as to what I was getting into. (laughs) Melissa had even less of a clue, but God bless her, she was game, a more than willing companion, and off we went into uncharted waters. And nearly 40 years later, here I am. I'm finding that age brings a certain kind of wonderment. I, I didn't expect this, this sense of how the hell did I get here, while still feeling reasonably intact and full of gratitude. There have been a few surprises along the way, a couple of missed opportunities perhaps, some moments of deep panic and confusion and a time or two of wondering why on earth I took the path I did, recognizing, for instance, that I could have made more money in another field of endeavor and so forth. While I never completely succumbed to this anxiety-ridden confusion, I did lose my inner way once in a while, And I suppose that in those seasons of confusion, I was seeking an escape of sorts. Escape from whatever it was at the time that wasn't measuring up to my expectations. One thing I've learned over the years is that expectations can be the bane of a happy life. As the pithy cliché has it, life is what happens when you've planned something else. I can now say with some authority that a life well-lived has more to do with how we manage what we haven't planned on than what we have planned. We might call this a variation of the control freak syndrome. And I have learned as well that New York attracts an overabundance of this personality type. (laughs) Expectations run far and wide and deep here. Stands to reason then that there's a lot of resulting confusion, heartache, and disappointment, along with spurts of success and fulfillment. It's a bumpy ride. Often in those difficult moments, those times of confusion and heartache, we'll attempt an escape. Famous in addiction recovery is something called the geographical cure a belief that changing one's location makes all the difference. But the astute counselor will ask, are you truly moving toward something positive? Do you have support at the new location, or are you just trying to run away from reality? Because as the old, now old saying goes, wherever you go, there you are. Experience teaches that this same set of questions works very well for anyone in any sort of internal or external crisis. According to Luke, we don't know the inner experience of the two men traveling to Emmaus following the dramatic events of the last days of Jesus' life. It was late in what we now call Easter Sunday and Cleopas and his friend were heading out of Jerusalem confused and agitated. The text said they were sad. Disciples of Jesus were told. But he was dead, crucified. And along with him, these disciples' hope and expectations were crucified as well. From a famous sermon, Now written half a century ago by a prolific writer, theologian, and New Yorker, Frederick Buechner. He wrote that Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget, that the world holds nothing sacred, where we spend much of our lives, you and I, the place that we go to in order to escape, a bar, a movie, wherever it is that we throw up our hands and say, let the whole damn thing go hang. It makes no difference anyway. But there are some things that even in Emmaus we cannot escape. We can escape our troubles, at least for a while. We can escape the job we did not get or the friend we hurt. We can even escape for a while the awful suspicion that life makes no sense and that the religion of Jesus is just a lot of wishful thinking. But the one thing we cannot escape is life itself. It was on the road to Emmaus that... These friends encountered an anonymous stranger who joined them for a while. They're talking about all of the things that had happened over the last several days, and as they talked and discussed, Jesus drew near and joins them. What are you talking about as you walk along, he asks. And not recognizing him, they launch into a description of the events of the past weekend. They describe the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth and how they hoped he would be the Messiah, the one who would set Israel free from Roman oppression. But he was wrongfully condemned to death, crucified, and only three days ago placed in a tomb. And now even his body was missing. You're the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know all of this? They were confused and agitated, but they urged their new friend to stay and share their evening meal in Emmaus, their place of escape. And there Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and shared it. And he became visible to them in giving thanks and the breaking of bread. Not terribly dramatic as an account of the resurrection, is it? I'm thinking that resurrection has the ring of smoke and bells and whistles and grand exclamations and big gestures and whatnot and hoo ha. And yet here it is very small, scaled small and intimate. And it comes to fruition through an act of hospitality. Jesus was going to continue on his way, and the two friends said, no, come, stay with us. And right then, in that act of hospitality and sharing a meal... Their eyes are opened. There are three different places in the Holy Land that claim to be the village of Emmaus. There's no record of any village called Emmaus in any other ancient source. And the only place in all of the writings in the New Testament where we hear of the village of Emmaus is in this one lone story. Emmaus is nowhere... Emmaus is anywhere, and perhaps Emmaus is here. Maybe going to Emmaus is like going to church some Sunday looking for an escape. A man reported to me that he had been in a confused, dark place, the most difficult place of his life to this point. Afraid and uncertain any true options lay before him, he stumbled into this church one Sunday... And as he spoke to me, I realized he hadn't suspected the truth about most everyone else who filled the pews. Sure, they all looked pretty good on the outside. You look pretty good on the outside. But each had their own story to tell of waffling between confusion and clarity through varying life dilemmas and personal corruptions. I was tempted to interrupt his tale to tell him he was among friends. But I held off for just then. Still, that's true, isn't it? I mean, you have first-hand experience with surprising life transitions that cause old life forms to fall away like scarred husks exposing the tender growth underneath, ready or not. I bet if we were to collect our stories, we'd gather up a pretty complete compendium of the sorts of possible bewilderments and grief that can overwhelm a person as they move through their life arc. My new friend said he was stunned by the comfort he experienced by his lurching into spiritual territory. He came out of a confused need seeking an escape, but frankly not expecting much of anything in return. He didn't realize his heart was already prepared for taking in something new, something surprising, something he couldn't or wouldn't have expected while on his way to Emmaus. I didn't say this then, but given the season of the year, I could have said something like, well, you know, that's how it is with resurrection. It's stunning, surprising, and bewildering, showing up right where we are in something as mundane as sharing a meal, an act of hospitality. Resurrection shatters our expectations into a thousand fragments and reassembles them into something we might call real life. If Jesus is raised, we have to rethink everything. Everything is in play. No current problem, obstacle, or confusion has the final word. Even death, which is the biggest problem of all, lurking behind every other problem we experience. Even death has to be rethought. And as you may be aware from this past week's news, the beleaguered United Methodist Church has hit a wall of division within its ranks over the issue of sexual identity. It's been struggling with this matter for four decades that is now coming to a head. We've reached a decision point that will clarify within the next two to three years as the slow institutional processes grind forward. Christ Church has staked a claim on hospitality. We're modeling ourselves on Jesus with open arms and hearts that all are welcome to the table It is not clear how this will resolve denominationally. Sadly, schism is a very real possibility. But, friends, here's the thing for those of us who follow the pattern Jesus modeled. No outcome is the final outcome. No present obstacle imprisons our hope to our LGBTQ sisters and brothers, I say hold fast to the resurrection that shows up in the most unlikely circumstance, say, in Emmaus, our place of escape. You are among friends here. All of us together share a common hope that the message of love that Jesus commanded will have the day at last. We live that as a present reality. That's our present reality. Today. Now, right here, we have our very own Emmaus resurrection story at hand.